Welcome back, y'all, to episode 89 of the Zachary Wingy Podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day, and nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short podcast in increments of 15 minutes. My goal is to leave you informed, entertained, and ready to talk about the topics. Ooh, I kind of like that. All right, so let's get into it today. All right, so today we're actually talking about one of my one of my favorite, I don't know if it's my favorite topics, but a topic I like to research and look into from time to time, and that is space. Okay, so a lot going on in space, really, in the last two to three years, um, but I kind of want to focus on a couple things at the moment going on with NASA and this asteroid that is being called the Earth Killer. So whenever you have these asteroids that come in to our atmosphere or potentially, I'm sorry, not our atmosphere, atmosphere but within our galaxy, you know, um, you look at the trajectories, understand the gravity, whatever. So NASA is saying that they actually uncovered a potential asteroid that is close, not like super, I want to say in close like space. So I think it's, I think it would be like five or six years out um, for potentially interacting with Earth's trajectory. Um, But, or, or I'm sorry, Earth's atmosphere. So hold on. All right. So here we go. So I guess there's a huge asteroid with this. It's the size of what the heck? Sorry, just give me one second. It's like I hate whenever you look at something and then it switches at the last minute, especially whenever you're recording a podcast. And then all of these pop ups come on in this article. I mean, I got Google. I got a freaking. Okay, leave me alone. All right. I don't. Okay. The whole podcast is me just stumbling around trying to figure out my thoughts so bear with me okay okay so nasa reports asteroid going 5200 5000 no 52000 miles per hour okay i'm having a tough one tonight y'all just bear with me and it's going 101 and it's 1 1.4 million miles away okay and the it's huge i mean is essentially the size of Dubai, which is the capital of India. Um, so if you can imagine, it's a huge rock going in and out of space. And when you look at it, I mean, it's about the size. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's not the size of Dubai. It's the size of the Burke Karaham in Dubai, which is one of the tallest towers at 22,700 um, feet. But the asteroid stands about 2,470 feet, which is insane. So it's bigger than the Empire State Building. And it's kind of creating, you know, and essentially how NASA was able to uncover it is they realized that when they were doing asteroid checks, what they do, this was actually hiding in the sun's glare or another star's glare. So you can think about it. It can't be seen. Because it's not interacting with the light 
I mean, think about that. I mean, there could be things lurking out there we don't even know. So I kind of wanted to go into a couple articles looking over this. And this, the intention of this podcast is really just to inform you. So what's really strange is what coincides with this is earlier this month, NASA said it created a asteroid defensive test that was successful. Yeah, I said that. An asteroid, a test where... We're shooting down asteroids to change their trajectory. So when you think about Armageddon with Bruce Willis, um, like that wasn't really the way to do it. We shouldn't have drilled inside the atmosphere and blow it up. We could have just changed the gravity trajectory apparently. But the double atmosphere redirect test, which is known as DART, slammed in into a spacecraft. I'm sorry, slammed into a atmos... Man, I can definitely tell you for whatever reason, this is a tough podcast for me. Um, So the DART spacecraft slammed into the asteroid, impacting the orbit. So it took about two weeks. So it happened two weeks ago. And it was really interesting because we never really completed a test like this. And for us to be able to see that we can bump the trajectory, I think really adds... It's, you know, it's a, it's a changing point in history. I mean, think about it. We can fire things in space. We can see them that, and we can, we can change their geographic. We can change their orbit. So we're kind of at a unique point, I think, within space exploration. And I really think, um, in my ultimate opinion, I mean, it's, it's, you know, when we can get to a point where we can look at things like asteroids and potentially interact with them, I think that's really probably the next step in our space exploration. Because, I mean, Mars in itself is going to be a really tricky planet to live in because we don't have the climate. There's no climate there. You know, there's no atmosphere. And living there, you would have to constantly be on oxygen. And in order to live there, we'd have to create an atmosphere. I mean, you could potentially terraform it. But terraforming Mars would take millennia, potentially. Um, you could also do greenhouse gases. So um, the theory would be the same things that are happening right now on Earth to increase heat. We could uh, do that on Mars with various ways. And one of them was actually nuclear weapons. If we just fired all the nuclear weapons at Mars, um, maybe that could make a atmosphere, but that would take too long. But Or creating different things like we have here where we do have companies that create CO2. And if we could put an atmosphere on Mars, then we could live there. Because Earth in itself is in what is known as the, um, I think, the green zone. It's like, you know, it's 9,280 million miles away from the sun. And because it's kind of in this perfect place within the galaxy, it allows life to culminate there. A thousand miles too far back, a thousand miles too forward, you know, it could potentially not create the um, environment needed for life. So... When we get into kind of these asteroids, you know, the Earth-ending asteroids or changing the trajectory of asteroids, I really think we are approaching space kind of in the wrong way. And I say it like this. So this evening, I go to a Vietnamese restaurant with my wife. And for the first time ever, I see a little robot there that is delivering food. And the robot isn't doing a whole lot. I mean, they're operating within the kitchen and they have the tables programmed. And they can put which table it is, and they can also put the numbers so everybody can see it. So it's a really interesting system, and 
it seems like the robot is helpful because all I saw were two people kind of running the front of the house. Um, that includes cashier and hostess. So two people running this restaurant and one robot. And it was the first time I've seen a robot in a practical application like that. And it's like, I think that's really where we're headed. You know, if we want to do space exploration or live in Mars, we I think we're going to get to a point where we have to create AI robots that can live and work autonomously and be shot into space and either mine asteroids, okay, or um, live at Mars and start to cultivate a community. Because you have to, if you want to live there, you know, and I say this because on one of Joe Rogan's podcasts, Elon Musk said it's his dream to die on Mars. His dream to die on Mars. I mean, that is one heck of a dream. I think it seems like maybe it's possible, but when you look at the orbit of Mars as it relates to Earth, there's only probably two times a year that the trajectory would allow us to hit it. Because whenever you're trying to go to another planet, it's like you're trying to hit a moving target. And the thing that's so interesting about space is uh, object in motion stays in motion. So, you know, if you threw a baseball into space, it would just keep going and going until it interacted with some level of gravity. And so whenever you shoot a ship to Mars, I mean, obviously we're able to do it, but we're it's it's off of two moving targets they hit one moving target so stuff like that's interesting but i think we're going to get into some type of thing it's like i don't know you know if we had the ability to mine minerals on asteroids it would be a real game changer because you know what you could do is fire autonomous robots onto the atmosphere onto um asteroids really far down in space you know and, and intersect them and they could work on them and then be brought back closer to Earth's orbit and then hop off and then be kind of taking the um, the minerals. But you could also, hypothetically, you could stop an asteroid too in space if you had thrust or any type of thrust capabilities to just stop it, put it there, and then have it stored in space if it's not interacting with any gravity. You know, So I think that you know as we get to... A point of interacting with space more. I mean, you think about what the DOD currently just did or within the last year of creating Error, which is a it's an organization to track UFO activity um, within the DOD and within the federal government. And it's a, it's new and they're in they're being tasked with it. And I did some research into them yesterday and listen to one of their um, hearings and it was like really interesting to like hear their perspective of how they're trying to track these UFOs using different kinds of um, data. So how they're using data, categorizing it and implementing it. So they say there's roughly 140 UFO sightings um, that they have no explanation for. 140. And this organization too looks at UFOs in the sea. So... The DOD is indicating that there's UFOs within the sea, there's UFOs within the air that they don't know what they are, or UAPs, uh, whatever you want to call it. And they're standing up an organization to keep better track of it. Originally, it was in the Navy Intelligence Unit, but they're opening it up to a broad spectrum. And they're, they're putting it under, I think, the Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA. And what 
the gist of it is, is I think they're trying to just create the ability to categorize and understand it and create a, a fluidity within marking, okay, this isn't, this is this event. But within the hearings, you get kind of conversations about how nobody in the DOD has ever tried to communicate with these sp- spaceships. Nobody in the DOD has ever fired upon these spaceships, nor have they ever fired on us. So what they're, what they're saying is like, we just witness them. And sometimes we chase them or they there's being chased, but there's never been any collisions. Um, and what this organization could do too is potentially create some type of approach where they can communicate with them. So that's why I like to say space is really becoming more interesting now because of the technology you have. Now you have the DOD saying, hey, UFOs are real. We don't know if they're extraterrestrial, but we literally have proof based on what we've seen. Okay. Then the other thing we have the ability to do is change asteroids trajectories and be able to identify if there's an earth killer um, asteroid out there and potentially like going on it. And it kind of raises me to my point of this whole podcast is our generation, the millennial generation has lived through a lot of different nineties movies. All right. We lived through nine 11. Okay. Which on top of that, we had Y2K, you know, nine 11 obviously is more severe, but you think about how traumatizing nine 11 was. All right. Then some time goes past and we have the impact of technology. So technology changing our lives, you know, that in itself could be a movie. Or I'm just I'm using it as a way to gauge like the significance of it. Then, you know, the internet comes and it changes all of our lives. So we've experienced so much change. And then within the last year, obviously the pandemic, then using electric cards, things like drones. Um what else? I mean it's like all we have really left is space exploration, which we, you know, in our generation put things on Mars. And interacting with UFOs, which now the DOD is indicating that UFOs are real and there is proof and there's something that we can't even explain. So, in my opinion, just living in really interesting times, you know, really, really fascinating that we're at this point in history and we just don't know. You know, we, you know, continue looking up. So, that's my podcast for today. Thank you for bearing with me. It was tough getting all that information out and I want to thank you and I look forward to speaking with you tomorrow for episode 90. Wow. 10 days away from the 100 day mark.